0: Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk. Hagelbond on Twitter and I have with me um a cartoonist I've really admired for a while now uh and am very happy to have on the show. Uh Michael Copperman. Actually, you know what I realized, Michael, do you do you go by cartoonist or car- comic book artist or artist? Like what is what is your what is your like professional title of choice?
1: I guess I use uh comic artist a lot. Okay. But I uh graphic novelist so that's a pretty good
0: one that I Well that is a good one that's nice. Do you feel like um I I, I always wondered this because it was something that always kind of bothered me um but it was it, it's very of the moment when I was like you know first reading graphic novels um it always kind of bugged me that uh that Scott McCloud kind of defined what being a graphic novelist was in such a weird kind of limited way um, in my mind and I don't know if other people resent him for that but it feels like it used to be something more expansive.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't resent him for that. I don't resent Scott McCloud at all, actually. And uh, when it, when I asked if he would uh, plug my book, he was very nice about it. Oh, wonderful! I, well,
0: maybe then, then I'm happy to know that I've been being unfair to him, and I will change my stripes.
1: It was very cool, but um, I, I there is a kind of I feel like uh, sort of uh, comics went through. You know, when I joined comics, it was in the Zines era and Mm. undergrounds and you know so like part of this underground scene and um it was really different but then since then it's become almost like infected by the art world and the publishing world and there's desire for seriousness you know to be taken seriously and um you know what i find is most popular in graphic novels is is frequently, it's it's very cold, removed stuff that looks a little like the uh, book, the little um, card of instructions, what to do in a crash, you know, <laughs> that you get the airport, yeah. it's, it's got that kind of diagram look. Yeah. And there's a lot of that around. And I want, I wanted my book to do something completely the opposite. I wanted to do something really emotional that, that hit you with emotion. And that was very like fast, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, so I mean, l- 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 just off the bat, I mean, you've done a ton of work. People have seen your work all over Twitter. I know you had a, a, an Adult Swim pilot. Um, at some point, someone who's everyone who's listening has probably seen one of your seen or read one of your cartoons, one of your comics, one of your graphic novels. Um, I am I am I am sure of this. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about all the answers, which is your new book? Uh, I'm kind of interested, just like to get it off, uh, like to get it off the bat. I'm just kind of interested in you telling us what it's about, what what the deal is, because that pitch you just gave is very interesting.
1: Sure, yeah, I well, it's uh, it's about my family and it's very uh, emotionally heavy for me, very emotionally mm-hmm. heavy story. But basically, um, you know, I set out to do a book about my father who had been very, very famous in the 1940s and early 50s as a child prodigy. And first, he was, he was on the show called Quiz Kids when he was five, okay. and he stayed. He stayed on it uh, through when it was on TV in the early days of TV. Uh, when he was 16, he finally left it, and it had been something that we weren't really. We were encouraged not to talk about in my family. It was understood that it would cause him pain if we did. So we, huh. you know, i would never thought about it since I was a kid. And when I decided to do this book, I, I, I started thinking about it for the first time. And there were a lot of realizations that came, um, and it was kind of a voyage of discovery. He also started to go into dementia while I was doing this book, so it was kind mm-hmm. of like chasing him as he vanished from you know, being able to make any sense. That's hard. Yeah, and I'd grown up kind of encouraged to think of myself as very, you know, we've been encouraged to be kind of, uh, well, for lack of a better word, white, which mm-hmm. sounds <laughs> aspirational almost, or feels aspirational, but um, you know, encouraged not to think of ourselves as Jewish. That's okay. for sure. And he's Jewish. Um, my mother's Scandinavian, so we were in, You know, we were brought up with some mild Lutheranism, and encouraged to you know just be white. Um, so I had never really thought about all this, and when I started to investigate his childhood, the thing that made me realize that I hadn't understood his fame yet was the Jewish thing. Yeah, factoring in his Judaism and realizing that that was actually a huge reason why he was famous. It wasn't because necessarily he was so good at math. It was because he was very cute, and it was he's Jewish, and it was World War II. Hmm. So That's it was almost really like he was propaganda. Yeah, yeah. Matter I mean, fact, he's
0: basically a, a a sort of like a um, a figure that you can rally behind because it's like uh, he, you know, you it proves that we're not Hitler right on a certain level that we would like a cute Jewish kid on a TV show.
1: Yeah. Well, it was a radio show at first, but yeah, oh, he was, and he was a big, big deal in the early forties to a kind of crazy degree, you know, and he was compared to Einstein and stuff like that. Wow! And it was whether deliberately or not, it was kind of propaganda. So once I factored that in, you know, it became a very different story and it's amazing mm-hmm. how the adventures he had, but he didn't want to remember later on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you, this is sort of like the, the, the classic thing right? where like writing about your father like this is, it's almost, it's almost a story about writing about yourself too. I, I would, I would imagine um, did, or at least classically, that's the way these stories look in, in, you know, literature, graphic novels, the sort of like, you know, I, I went to discover my father and discovered a part of myself. I mean, did that come about for you too? Or was that, is it just kind of. Oh, yeah. Like, no.
1: Totally. And it's still stuff I'm dealing with because I realized there's stuff that's been holding me back my entire life that was put in place mm. by his trauma from these events. Wow. So, yeah, that, that's been a huge uh, you know, realization, too. So there's a lot. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot in, in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, sure. it, sounds, it sounds like there, I mean, especially with the dementia, it sounds like it, it must have just been a terribly emotional book for you to uh, produce, I mean, from start to finish.
1: Yeah, it was insanely hard. It was really difficult. I mean, yeah, I I don't know if I'd be capable of doing something like that again. Certainly not without adequate compensation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was going to ask about that because I mean, like it—it sounds fascinating. I'm I'm certainly going to be reading. I haven't read it yet, but I I will be. It will be. uh, It's it's on my shelf or on my on my mental shelf of things to buy and read. Um, I just got my first graphic novel in a while, actually. A a buddy of mine bought me the. uh, the uh who wrote it oh the box brown history of uh of tetris which is uh pretty
1: interesting oh nice yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah. it's a jam friend of the show tom zuba who's uh, at coach for dads very nice guy um that's a lovely book and it reminded me i did a lot of work in um in college on um on comics and I, i thought maybe i could be like a literary scholar about comics but it turns out that (laughs) people don't have the people don't have enough language for it uh it's the same problem i had with video games except uh with video games i just you know i wrote a dissertation chapter on video games so i could then like parlay it into something more serious with comics i kind of gave up when i was in undergrad because it was like i said people don't have the language for it they uh it's very they
1: they need to they need to so maybe it's coming maybe the language is coming i hope so yes it's, it's very frustrating you know i'm in these panels at these book festivals and the the themes are always one step up from, you know, pow, bang, zoom, comics always. aren't for kids anymore. Always. Always, and yes. it, There is not much critical discussion of comics that's any good. At, or, you know, and I'm sure it's the same for video games. People just don't want to hear it. Yeah. I mean, they, there's there's they,
0: one guy – there's one serious guy I know doing comics who's uh, uh, Andy Hoberic, who is the the outside reader on my dissertation a really – a uh, brilliant uh, Americanist. Uh, but he, I know he does, he's done very interesting work in his most recent book on comics. Like, and I know he does graphic novels, but also uh, kind of lowbrow mainstream comics, which, you know, while I wouldn't necessarily imagine you have to do lowbrow with mainstream comics every single time you deal with comics, it's kind of nice to see that in a critical world because it means that they're not just doing it for points.
1: No, I read a lot of uh mainstream comics before i did my book because comics are comics yes and it, it I would agree. The, divide, the divided world because i find um they both have their strengths and deficiencies but with mainstream you know superhero comics they give a lot of visual information that's not you know in the text necessarily because the reader's expected to be like looking at it for clues
0: yeah absolutely you
1: know? it makes it that's very something- hard to write about Right. And that's something graphic novels rarely do. You know, all the information is generally in the text. And uh, I find, to be honest, I find most graphic novels a real slog and I I really set out to make a book that could be easily read by absolutely anyone. And not only that, but a book they'd want to read. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And actually it's, it's a funny thing. I, I don't know if this is, this speaks to my taste or speaks to, cause of course I, I do the booking, <laughs> but, uh, or, or speaks to just like the kind of stuff that's most interesting to me right now. But the, you know, like the people I've had on the show are, uh, you know, I, I've I've had you on, and then I've also had um, a uh, a Deegan, um, uh, who's at, at activity on Twitter. Who's
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: great guy. Um, but his his graphic novels also kind of do the same, where it's like there's a lot of visual. His most recent one has no dialogue, like it's it's pretty much sure, visual. Yeah. So like um, like that kind of. That and I've had like Casey Green on and stuff. It, it feels in some way like the the approach I tend to prefer too is is that where there's like a lot of visual information conveyed, which um, I guess has always been a problem with uh, my work as a literary critic because, of course, that makes it very hard to, to get anything read. Yes. Um, so let me ask. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like you, you do a lot of you go to a lot of panels. You do a lot of things. I I'm, I'm gauging this from your from your Twitter. Uh, that you are sort of like a, a man about a man about comics town. Is that, is that fair? Like, do you, do you do do a lot of stuff?
1: No, no, not really. No. (laughs) Okay. Very little, less and less. Do you
0: want to, is that, is that a shame for you? Or is that something that is, it's been nice becoming (laughs) sort of your own person?
1: Because a lot of it is ego. You know, you, you don't necessarily want to do something, but you want to be asked. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like, it gets to be that kind of distinction. So I'm trying to ask myself more soberly these days, you know, what do I actually want Mm. rather than worrying about things for the sake of ego? Um, Interesting. You know, there's, there's, there's stuff that I really enjoy doing and there's stuff that I don't. I've been pushing myself like crazy to promote this book. Um, so I've been doing a lot of stuff for the last five months, but I'm looking forward to not doing so much again. (laughs) Although I I do, I do like doing comedy shows and stuff like that, that, that I enjoy. Are you, do
0: you, are you you a comic?
1: No, but I've done, you know, I, I can, I, I've been on a stage plenty of times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, you know, or we, Kate Beaton and I actually did a show in the East Village for a while that was comedians and comic artists kind of side by side. Oh, that's a cool idea. That was, That was really fun. Yeah, that was great. I like that. Yeah, and uh, you know stuff like that. So cool. uh, I was just uh, talking with a guy about doing something on death uh, tribute cartoons. You know, because that's uh, (laughs) such such a funny (laughs) subject. They're great.
0: Um, Yeah, I I was. Someone someone was saying about the Stanley stuff that uh, once after after Stanley died, it was basically. just basically asking for someone to draw the worst possible Spider-Man standing in front of the pearly gates. Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah, and they did. They
0: <laughs> did, totally does, they that, did. does that happen? I, I hadn't seen it released, but I...
1: Just, just, yeah, there's been a variety of the usual stuff. One, it was uh, Stan dressed as Spider-Man swinging away from the gates of heaven, and I guess it's St. Peter standing in the gates yelling excelsior, but I don't... But, I don't understand what it was supposed to mean. I don't know if it's supposed to mean that he, he just, still has dementia in heaven and has dressed up as Spider-Man and is, is he, escaping.
0: Is he I mean, is he is can heaven not hold him? Is he now coming back to earth and is it an avenging angel? Allah like dogma.
1: Yeah, or it's 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 an interesting one to part. Wow,
0: yeah, that's that's a lot. I I, I think the, the added bonus of uh Saint Peter yelling Excelsior as if he's like been reading sixties Marvel comics since they've been coming out is is pretty good too. Um
1: yeah, there's also one with God uh and and Jesus. God is shown from the back. He's just an older man with long hair or whatever. Classically, yeah. Saying, sure. Yeah. And he's saying to Jesus, you know, go ahead, ask him to sign your Fantastic Four number one. Don't be shy. <laughs> it's
0: like <laughs> this is a strange thing. It sort of seems like um if Jesus really wanted a uh uh, a Fantastic Four number one that was signed, you'd think if anyone could get it, um, he'd already have one.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the kind of sentimental art you're seeing more and more often when someone dies, someone famous dies, or there's an atrocity, it's really like becoming it's it's uh, mutating. Yeah so it's really interesting to
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh actually so what's what is your take on sentimentality in comics? Like are you do you feel like obviously there's like a sentimental element to um to you know your new book um to all the answers like it's not it's not unsentimental it's not uh, without feeling of course No
1: um, no it, it's emotional it's not sentimental it's emotional That's yeah that, that's kind of on. what I was going to say Sentimentality in comics is always bad, always bad. <laughs> and it's always atrocious. I, I love it on some level because it is always bad, but, you know, it's it's always just incredible. Like those 9 11 books. Oh, my God. Oh. Books that came out in 9 11. Spider Man,
0: Doctor Doom crying.
1: I think I threw them away. I I just, it's too horrible. It's like, um, you know, kitsch. Like, yeah. what was the definition of kitsch? Like, uh, the adoration of, 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 you know it's just mm -hmm. yeah sentimentality in comics is always ridiculous you know where people i i you can't see me but making that certain kind of face in comics like the don't hurt me face you know (laughs) victims in comics it's just oh it always yeah it makes me wretch
0: it's like the um what it reminds me of is like when uh and and it, it really is the distinction between probably something you're doing in uh in um in your work as opposed as like distinguished from that where like, I feel like sentimentality in comics is always the, the way where like, I'm thinking of like Alex Ross's powers or not powers. um Marvel's powers is different, uh, but Marvel's is very sentimental. That, that comic series, I guess from like the late nineties, 90s, mid nineties. 90s. Um, and it's not bad. Like I actually, I remember enjoying Marvel's, but like the main thing I remember from it is, you know, like, Oh, it's a, uh, it's some kid who's being like attacked by some normal human person and he's scared. And then, Oh, it's Spider-Man. And it's not just Spider-Man, but he's mad because like, this is a person in New York that he cares about like, that kind of element of like, you know, the, hu- the, the hero is human. It's just always, it's always kind of treacly and gross.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's certain stuff that comics can't deliver that well. There's certain things that a drawing looks ridiculous to mm-hmm. it, you know?
0: So let me ask you, uh, one of the things you you, you touched on earlier, and I'm, I'm interested to hear you say more about, like, uh, you said you wouldn't do a piece like this unless you were remunerated very well. And as someone who is um, not used to a lot of remuneration in their life, also, uh, I totally understand. I would never question that. Um, my, my question actually is, how, it must have been really hard. Let me, let me start by saying this. It must have been really hard to put a a price on this on this book right because like i I was looking on amazon at it and i was thinking like yeah like um you know that's it's it's fairly fairly reasonably priced and then you were describing it and i was like man i don't know how i would price that like it's such a such an intense experience such a powerful and painful thing to write and to to convey and to to sort of express Um, And then to put a price tag on it, I mean, not that you shouldn't have, obviously, but it must have just been a strange experience.
1: Yeah, it it was, you know, it it is, it is strange. I worked on it for a few years before we, you know, I took it to an agent and we sold it. And, uh, and then it was like another year and a half working on it. And and it is weird because, you know, the money was, the money was enough so that if I'd been younger and didn't have a family, I, you know, and it was 15 years Mm -hmm. ago. I've I been very excited, but uh, it was, it was not enough to do nothing else. So actually while working on the book, I had to do, uh, I was doing two uh, other weekly strips mm. at the same time. So I, it was an insane amount of work that year. And I literally thought at the beginning of the year, it would be impossible and I, I wouldn't survive it. But uh, I, I did, but I, I probably did 300 pages of comics during that God. year. And yeah, the money would, did not reflect that and the money never reflects the quality of work most of the times i've made money it's either been through some project that was just awful and you know completely unsatisfying and it didn't even see the light of day i mean i've gotten some of the best money i've made has been for stuff that never saw the light of day or, or did anything you know yeah and it's it's see my desire to make things and to do good work that trips me up because <laughs> those are bad those are bad impulses in today's culture. If your if your aim is just to make money, you could do much better than that. <laughs> you know, well, I, mean, I cheer my, I, I cheer myself up sometimes by thinking that I reminding myself that I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars by drawing you know with a pen on paper like I did when I was a kid. I just have have made hundreds of thousands of dollars but over a much longer period than I would have liked. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you stretch it out long enough that uh, any impressive sum is less impressive. Right. So like talk to me a little bit about that though, because that's, that's part of comics culture in a certain way that, that, that distinction between artistry. And I mean, it's, it's part of everyone's culture, but it's also comics culture, that distinction between artistry and, uh, and profit. Um, yeah, I mean, can you can you talk to me a little bit about what that is like? Like, what it is like to work in a field that is so, um, kind of. Well, I mean, just like, can you talk to me about that a little bit? Especially the way you kind of framed your frustration there—that
1: it's it's. Well, I mean, yeah. as I as I said, you know, my my desire for quality and to do good work, you know, is not a benefit in this right. career. If I was tend to just you know treacle out you know, the same horseshit every week. I'm sorry, I didn't. You can swear, swear. don't worry. (laughs) Yes, you're fine. Uh, I could work for the New Yorker or something, you know, or I I could have a home there. The situation that I found, and I I I, I do blame myself in a way for not seeing this clearly at the beginning. But when I first went to the New Yorker in 1994, uh, they were really hyped up about some of the work I'd done, and I had done uh, that my first Picasso Mm -hmm. strip that they really loved. And the art director had it on the door of her office, and then, but they were like, we, we can't run anything like this. <laughs> we we love, but we couldn't possibly run it. And then like a, a couple months later, Very glit or one of those artists did a page of, you know, crazy thirties artists, you know, that was just that much more, you know, visually appealing mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, benign in, in thinking right. that it was, a, Huh. So it's been it you know, I've worked for all these magazines and they all loved the crazy comics I was doing. Well, most of them. But they couldn't print them. They could hire me to do work that they would then step all over and wouldn't be as good. And you know, that's how it went.
0: I mean, is that is that do you consider so, yourself as something like uh, is that a taste thing or is that just that you're kind of generally producing stuff in the avant-garde?
1: Yeah, I think my work is is funny because it bounces the ball the wrong way in a way that they find deeply unacceptable.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, is that that seems like a good fit then uh, cuz I I was thinking a little bit earlier about about uh a, a mutual friend of ours um uh, Ingwit on tri- on Twitter was talking to me about your uh your um pilot for for adult swim and I mean, obvious you know honestly like adult swim seems like a place where that kind of ethos sort of at a certain point like became mainstream right the the, the ethos of like this is funny and interesting because it is uh, kind of not what you would expect it's crazy it's sort of out there I mean how much did you did you feel like uh, like uh, Adult Swim kind of did that avant-garde or was it sort of like a false positive that way I know a lot of people uh, are not remain unconvinced of uh, of Adult Swim's bona fides that way
1: Really? Um, I don't know. I I think, uh, as with anywhere, the the quality on Adult Swim has varied. Uh, I finally got to see Rick and Morty recently, and uh, I just was floored by how brilliant it is. I I just have to, in terms of storytelling and, you know, really keeping the story moving, uh, absolutely. I do, admit I haven't seen it yet. You know, really, it's it's really... um, I think it's Dan Harmon is my, I mean, not to put Justin William down, he's amazing too, but Dan Harmon has worked on, you know, the craft of storytelling and, you know, he's one of those people who's obsessive about the idea of mm. storytelling, which is why he keeps mentioning Inception and Lost and other things that were themselves about the art sure. of storytelling. So it's kind of fascinating like that. Um, I, I was very frustrated that that pilot didn't work out with Adult Swim. Obviously, I don't know if it had anything to do with the economic crash that was occurring. Or, I
0: think I know. think you could probably practice, say it had something to do with that.
1: It's kind of been a recurring theme in my career, um, but because uh, there have been so many in the last uh, in this century, but. Um, I think they're kind of frustrated that it didn't work out too, so uh we're we're trying oh. it again. I mean, I'm starting on something what else with them right now, and I don't know if i i I'll, I can mention it here okay. on this podcast and uh but anyway, it's you know i'm I'm hoping this time it builds to something and works oh. out. Uh, you know I've had another eleven years of experience since that pilot, and uh I, I, I think maybe. They, they seem very enthusiastic. You know, one of the strips I was doing during the book was actually for them and they've actually been bugging me to do something for them for a year. Oh, great. Half, so.
0: No, I mean, I, so I should say, I actually, I'm actually a a pretty big fan of adult swim. I, I, I just, and I, especially the, the, the stuff that pushes the boundaries. Like I've, I was just re re remembering um, the first Tim and Eric thing that sort of aired there. Uh, Tom goes to the mayor and how, yeah very, very weird, weird and and i was re-watching some of it and it is still very good like i i just really enjoyed it i laughed like you know it wasn't like a weird sort of like oh yeah i remember this kind of laugh it was like oh yeah this is actually like a very funny show um so no that's that's cool i'm glad to hear that um you know whether yeah. it works out or not i'm glad to hear it although obviously i'm, I'm rooting for you yeah
1: right? well hopefully, hopefully <laughs> it'll work out and uh it's it's hard, you know. I and I want to get into animation and TV because publishing is is just insane mm-hmm, now. Sure. It's uh, it's we I, we watched that movie Idiocracy okay. the other night, and that seems like you know an amusing satire twelve years ago, and now it just seems like a documentary. Like publishing is really <laughs> like that. Like you know, you you try to explain basic things that people should be doing, and they just stare at you.
0: That's wild. Like like how, how do you mean that? Like in, in what way?
1: Well, like, you know, I don't want to badmouth them because they they are trying and they're they're doing their best. It's just promotion. Okay. Like they they haven't they have no budget for promotion. Uh, they don't really can't really do much. You know, it's uh, it's like I I don't want yeah, to that's, give ex- that's specific yeah. examples. You know, it, it's like it's like this through like all areas of like publishing. Like I. You know, before I stopped doing illustration because it was partly because it was driving me crazy, and partly because the money went away after the two thousand eight crash.
0: Both reasons for what's worse. You know,
1: it was (laughs) it was was getting horribly frustrating anyway because it was like that. Every everyone you were dealing with was an idiot, and uh, they'd be giving me like measurements for the art I had to do, and I'd be like, "Okay, so it's a booklet. So did you put the spine in those (laughs) measurements?" And they'd be like, "Oh." Yeah, all right, y'all. Yeah. You know, and I'd say, and the bleed. What, what about the bleed? And they'd be like, all right, the bleed, you know. It's like, you went to school for this. I didn't. <laughs> you know, why, why am I better than you at your job? Yeah, that's,
0: that must have been incredibly a
1: frustrating. Lot of, a lot of that. Yeah, There's a lot of that around everywhere these days, though. It's, it's terrifying. It really is like people are just breaking down. Well, that's
0: true. I mean, I, I can relate to that. Um, yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, I think, like... You know, one of the one of the things I've seen in in your tweets about about like the comics world and and you know the art world in general is this is this sense of just almost arbitrariness in in what is and isn't. It, it remind the reason I've noticed it is because it reminds me a lot of my feelings about academia. Like the the whole thing feels um, extraordinarily arbitrary in terms of like what gets noticed and what quality, like what what people think is good and what people think is necessary and what people you know, really want to see right now and stuff like that. And I, you know, I, I, I do, I do sometimes wonder, like, is it, do you feel like it truly is a, like a, an arbitrary um, scene? Like, do you feel like quality has sort of fallen away in, in a way that like, you can't, I'm Trying to think of the right way to ask this. Like you can't, if there ever was a moment where, you know, it was a meritocracy that that moment has passed.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'd say so. I mean, it's very, it's very much about the politics now, and uh, in in the same way, I know academia is. My parents were both oh, okay. professors, so I know that you know what what they got into was an amazing racket at that day and age. Like you could really get in, you know, supported for the rest of your life and not have to worry about that quotidian crap anymore. But that is gone, and now you're on your own, and it's a wasteland, and you're you know competing for scraps, pretty much the same. You know, so, um, yeah, no, it's just, it, I mean, there are twice the people in the world that there were when I came to New York, you know, 30 years ago. It's, it's no wonder that now it's just evolved. Like any, any rules or anything like that are mm-hmm. just a pretense.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, that does make sense. It's just, it's hyper, hyper, comp- hyper, hyper competition. Um.
1: Right. And in comics, there's also the thing of like how to connect with an audience, which is still nebulous, you know, to them quality and connecting with an audience are very, very, very. Sure. And
0: I mean, especially as like as, right. you know, places like uh, I'm thinking of uh, even I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, mainstream comics, like places like Marvel, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about about Stan Lee and uh, his kind of troubled legacy or complicated legacy, I would say. Um and, and I, I I certainly don't think of him yeah. in, in a very uncomplicated way. Uh, although my mom did, uh, I thought it was very nice of her. Uh, she did text me to say she was sorry to hear about it. Um, as if I had lost a family member, Aww. which was nice of her. Sweet. Because, um, yeah. you know, I was big time, I am and, and remain a big time comic book fan. And like the, but of course, like, one of the things that is absolutely true about Stanley and and people have been posting it and saying it all over the place is that like, he had a kind of, And yeah, it wasn't like radical or anything, but he had a sort of like classical 19, you know, Jewish kid coming up in the 1940s kind of liberalism to him that was extremely endearing. Like those Stan soapboxes about like, you know, let's not, let's not hate each other. Let's try and like find. Yeah, I mean, those are are really like empowering. Um, And now that, of course, Marvel is basically run by a bunch of MAGA guys, um, it's. It's a little weird, right? Like that kind of like quality and like what who is the audience that you're trying to talk to and who obviously in a in a graphic novel it's a little more straightforward maybe but like it's just hard to imagine who comic book readers are anymore.
1: Who who what what are you talking about which comic books?
0: Oh, well like 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 uh, like the um I mean the the CEO of Marvel is like a big time Trump guy, isn't he? Oh,
1: yeah. No, I mean but which which comic books? Oh, do are, I like are, I have you been reading? I I yeah, I haven't been reading anything uh, for the last couple of years. Lately, actually, right now, I've just been reading Grant Moore. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. behind. I, I just read stuff that I like, <laughs> unfortunately. I'm doing this I'm doing this big comics project that I, I crowdfunded with uh, a friend of mine um, that will put out a couple zines, um, which will probably bug you for uh, to talk to us again, probably for that. But, um, sure. uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, I've been reading stuff for that. So I've been going back and reading, like, old Walt Simonson and Thor and uh, – uh, revisiting bone, which I tried to read to my daughter, but she's not quite old enough to be patient with a, uh, with a long form narrative. Although I will say, and I, yeah. I feel like I'm going to have CPS come to me if I admit this, but, um, I will say she enjoyed, she enjoyed, uh, <laughs> Billy Walnuts by, uh, Tony millionaire quite a bit. Um, oh, which wow. is like a really yeah. weird, it's not, I wouldn't say it's troubling. It's not mockies, um, which is brilliant, but not for kids. Um, it is ostensibly a kid's book. I think Tony, I think Million, I think he sort of like uh, uh, promotes it that way. Uh, but she loved that, uh, so I'll read those. I've been trying to get into some other stuff, but it's hard. Like I, I find myself getting really into certain things. Like there was a what's it called, like Black Black Hammer or something like that. There was, was like a uh, sort of alternate world superheroes thing kind of kerpucsaic astro city kind of stuff and it was good it, it was really fun to read i enjoyed it a lot it was uh super interesting i think i read like 6 or 7 issues in a row but there's something about it where like when i read those i get this feeling like eh, you know it's not astro city or it's not hellboy or like haven't we done this before um and i i don't yeah. i don't know like i haven't i haven't fallen into any comics that have really energized me uh that much
1: recently that's the thing comic mistake guys don't get repetition is not yeah, exciting yeah. you know if you repeat the same stuff it's not that yeah exciting. and i you
0: know there, there is like I, I suppose it's not untrue that there's like still stuff to be said about about like you know the the ineffability of those 40s comics like you know why people and i and i am among them uh, you know, love the, the JSA or like, you know, are obsessed with, I, you know, my, my sort of like superhero, um, preoccupation is the golden age Sandman. Like I, I love these, these characters, the sort of like, uh, characters that came straight out of pulps. They're really interesting to me, but I mean, even though there's more to say, probably it's like, you almost want to tell them like, I've seen this done in prestige so often, like every prestige sort of like highbrow, mainstream comic i've seen is about this like can we do something new is it remotely possible that we can just kind of like leave this behind for a little bit it doesn't seem to be possible seems like that's the plan that and like big budget crossovers which i have zero patience for anymore
1: yeah no good comics are few and far between
0: yeah it's a shame um so let me ask you. Like, I, I do want to talk about scenes, and I want to talk about about all this stuff. But like, uh, let me ask you. Like, did you ever? Did you ever have a video game phase? Did you ever? Do you ever play video games? Do you have any sort of like connection with them at all?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I only play games on my computer, so it's only what you can play on a Mac.
0: All right. So I'm all limited.
1: Right. to Mac. I use uh, Steam, and uh, what happened was, uh, oh, God, it was it was some years back. It was like six, seven years. Uh, Valve hired me to come and write for them. Oh, cool. So they, I didn't know that. That's great. It, it didn't result in anything as as with many of my better paying jobs. Uh, I went out there for a week and nothing happened with it. I think I was supposed to write, uh, we were going to write films for the Team Fortress characters and that never materialized. Okay. And I, I went during their only snowfall. So <laughs> like Seattle snowfall. So it was like no one was in the office. It was, uh, That's it was disappointing. Kind of, yeah, it was. Seeing the offices, I mean, I was there actually, I was there twice because they had me first to interview me. So it was cool to be there when they were working on like, they were working on a, one of the Game Award shows, uh, oh, cool. some animation for that, with, uh, the uh, Portal 2 uh, character. Oh, neat. Yeah. So watching that animate, that was cool. But then as a result of all this, anyway, they gave me Steam and all their games. Oh, so nice. uh, Yeah. Yeah, so I've had all those. So I've played all those like many times. Uh, not Team Fortress, or, um, and I haven't ever tried, what's it called, Dota?
0: Okay, um, yeah, well, I don't blame you. But
1: I've, I've played all the Half-Lifes over and over. I've played uh, Left 4 Dead and uh, The Portals, absolutely amazing. And then, you know, some others. I, I've i played, you know, Modern Warfare and, oh, and Bioshock. I love the Bioshock uh, 1 and 2.
0: Yeah, so what about what about like are you are you kind of like a I mean all these games to me seem to have in common the fact that they are extremely narrative based. So do you have like a do you have a a a head for narrative when it comes to video games? Is it something about their aesthetic? What what kind of brings you in on Valve games? Cuz they they are very and yes, BioShock isn't a Valve game, but it kind of feels in some ways like a Valve game. Um So
1: immersive. It's absolutely
0: amazing. Yeah. I mean, the
1: the, the idea of making the video game like monsters, basically like middle aged drunken people from the nineteen fifties, <laughs> is just insanely brilliant. I mean, it really is. It really resonates with someone who grew up when those people were still around mm. and acting like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Narrative has to be part of it. I think because you you know playing a game is always goal oriented. You're always like, how do I get to the next part? what am I supposed to do? Right. You know? So yeah, I tend to kind of, yeah. Try to push forward. I think I played Grand Theft Auto, one or two of those, and, okay. you know, a few others.
0: So, I mean, does, yeah. do you ever think about, do you ever think about like the narrative in video games as opposed or as some sort of like a counter to the narrative in, um, in comics? Cause like they, they, they have similarities, but they're, also somewhat different so like i wonder is there is there any time when you're writing or drawing or thinking about comics that you compare it to other um narrative genres that you know i mean like video games or perhaps like film or tv or cinema or anything like that is there a cross medium thought process for you or is it is it strictly comics and comics alone
1: no, I definitely see some um, cross currents with uh, other visual media, mm. uh, especially film. You know, I, um, when I was working on the book, actually, it becomes a kind of mindless, hypnotic process when you're drawing that much. So you end up like I end up I end up putting on stuff that I'm not even paying attention. It's just on and I have it on over and over and over and over. And one of the things I would do that with, for instance, was uh, Casino, mm. which really kind of fit uh, the mood you know, I was, I was in and going for
0: it. I can see that. Yeah. And so how did, I mean, did, do you think that this is kind of a weird sort of meta question that you don't need to have an answer to, but do you think that, that, that having casino on um, inspire, like changed the way that the book ended up? Like, do you think like casino bled in there at all? Or is it, is it simply just like uh, well, a kind no, of like yeah, quiet no. synergy? So-
1: No, absolutely. No, it was, it was intended. I mean, I was trying for a narrative feel, not unlike casino. Mm. What I tried to do in my book is, is leave out all the extra stuff that people always put in their books and just have like, just the story. Like, so I wanted to, to feel really, you know, for lack of a better word, greased. You know, I wanted the story just to move forward. And not be didactic, or you know, go by the way, or you know, give you trivia, or anything like that. Mm. Or you know, I didn't want the story to stop. So putting on something like Casino, which Scorsese's movies are very constructed like that. Even um, you know the recent ones like Wizard of Wall Street, which was very sloppy and indulgent in a lot of ways. It's still a pretty well greased machine yeah. as far as just moving forward you know yeah i would say that about the departed
0: too i don't think the departed was particularly like inspired in his films but it's also i mean it's fun but that's that's it right like it's a good story anyway
1: it's a bit of a mess it's like wizard of wall street also it's very indulgent and i think like at least half of jack nicholson's performance should have been edited out but it still (laughs) moves forward really smoothly you know he he knows how to like do segues and you know, just move from one beat to the next so fast you don't think too much about it unless you're watching it for the 10th time.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, that's really interesting, especially especially from a comic book perspective, right? Where like, uh, and this is something that like my sort of weird uh, off-again, on-again relationship with uh, Scott McCloud's work, one of the things I've always loved about his work has been um, his understanding of, of gutter and like that as a, as a narrative object in, in comics, I think it's a brilliant way of thinking about the comics page. And I mean, thinking about the gutter and thinking about like the, the space between panels and the space between like, you know, pages and, and you know, as, as you say, like in the publishing world, the sort of practicalities of the things that you are producing. I mean, thinking about that in a narrative space, that must just be like, that must be energizing in a certain way, I guess. Like that that would be what I'd say. Like it must be sort of, enjoyable from a materialist perspective
1: i would hope so yeah
0: yeah um so talk to me a little bit about comic scene like i know we've we've talked a bit about how it's political how there's like elements of it that have been politicized and it's it can sort of be like a drag that way i'm i'm kind of curious if you can you don't have to name names obviously i'm not trying to trying to get you to dish but like um you know like what do you like how do you feel that it has become political is there any way to sort of characterize it without without making it too personal or is, is it, is it a, a, a purely personal thing? I, I don't know. Like I, as a not even remotely uh, talented artist, um, I would have to get in on the writing and uh, no one needs them anymore. <laughs> so, uh, or, or seems to think they need them anymore. And I'm not a very good creative writer. So like, I've always been just a fan. I don't know how the scene, like the creative scene works. is it, can you, is it, is it, different than one might expect and can it be characterized in any particular way
1: well when i when i got started again it was the era of the zines and uh you know new york and america i guess but new york was a very different place and it was uh at least parts of it It was much more an artist town Mm -hmm. sure and um you'd have cartoonist parties and, and gatherings or shows that were very inclusive so you know, anyone could come and be part of it, even if their art was just literally gum wrappers glued to canvas, you know. <laughs> like, uh, there'd be these big uh, cartoon shows. Uh, Danny Hellman did a lot of these at uh, Max uh, Max Fish, The Pink Pony, and then later uh, CBGB's Gallery. And, uh, you know, and when um, Maka first started, it felt like that. It, it started to get corrupted after a while, and that like certain people just stopped showing up for stuff,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you know, there are a lot of eccentrics, there are a lot of shy people in comics. I don't know if this is surprising you, no, no,
0: that you that know, totally there are a sense, yeah. of,
1: uh, antisocial and somewhat nervous people, and you know, it just got to uh, it got so that you know, certain people just weren't part of the scene anymore, and it's kind of continued like that. So, um, I mean, a lot of a career i think probably in any discipline but certainly in comics is about timing Mm -hmm. and i started this kind of wild west period between art comics and underground comics during the zines but before computers okay so um, when a lot of uh, people came around in the last 15 years you know i was just sort of already here and um you know it's not like uh i I think there are a lot of people who started comics at the same time who i did are still doing stuff you just don't hear about them anymore you know they're just kind of out of the scene as far as me i you know i'm rarely like invited to anything so uh, any of the comics you know fairs or uh comics bungalows whatever so um it's like i hear about them going on but i don't i don't go to them very often and it's gotten much more about I mean the ones in New York especially have gotten much more to be about education because they're sponsored by schools. Oh, sure, of course. So they're trying to make us look attractive to students. And uh so it's a really different sensibility. Hmm. That's it.
0: I mean, that must be really frustrating for you that like the sensibility has changed and it's sort of I mean, at least at least it's what I'm describing exactly. it left it was, out in the cold a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's more allied with business. Like I was a little, you know, when I, I I had this horrible experience a few years back working for the New York Times. David Reese and I were doing a strip for the Sunday op-ed page, mm. which was should have been incredible, but it just was a nightmare. Partly because they were such miserable assholes and just treated us like wait garbage. on the
0: op-ed page of the New York Times. Hang on, no. hang
1: on. <laughs> Hard to believe they were worse than even I would have expected. They were they were absolutely abominable, and they finally you know censored us. You know they kept censoring us in the most heavy-handed way, and they censored a strip about which I did about nerds abusing women on the internet. You know being like babies, mm-hmm. and they were like that. We can't print that, and you know huh. I I put it online because I was kind of pissed off, and then they fired us. But um, <laughs> you know there was a comics convention in Brooklyn a couple months later of alternative comics. I wasn't invited at all, but the art director who'd fired me, you know, was not to talk about that, to talk about how perfect and pristine something else, you know, was mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's very much, it's very much like the children of Spiegelman these days. Mm. You know, it's very much sure. New Yorkery, you know, schools, you know, Et well, yeah,
0: sure. And I mean, like, yeah. there's that, that absolutely sounds like I, I totally get what you mean by the children of Spiegel and like, it's absolutely a, a sort of didactic style of, of expression. And yeah, that, that sounds, sounds incredibly frustrating, but true. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. It sounds true, but uh, it certainly seems, seems correct.
1: Yeah. You know, these things come around, so who knows what will happen in the future and hopefully there'll be another turn of the wheel and uh you know some of these people will pack up and move on
0: i mean do you do you feel do you feel affinities with uh other independent creators in in other disciplines like do you feel an affinity with say like uh indie devs in gaming who like you know basically are outside of the studio structure and outside of the awards structure and just kind of like trying to produce something that will maybe get them inside of it but also you know most most importantly just produce something that they care about like is that is there a sort of solidarity there or is that kind of um do you mostly feel it within your medium
1: no I, I mean i feel solidarity with anyone in a creative profession or anything indeed anyone who simply has to concentrate hard on details to work you know which is really that places you outside of the normal population right there mm. if you have to think hard in a technical way in any capacity you know you can tell in a, in a glance who works and you know using their mind and who doesn't right but um, but then there is a special affinity with people who draw it's a certain kind of mentality you know you, you have a very specific kind of personality and i do feel more immediate affinity with them frequently than with anyone else
0: that makes sense i you know it's it's it seeing like from the from the outside uh, looking in on people who can draw it, it has always struck me um, as kind of interesting to watch you guys work. Cause I, I can't do it. Like it's, it's one of those things that just in in my bones, I know I can't do it. And seeing people construct something on the page that, you know, I always used to think when I, you know, when I still tried to draw, I would think I have this image in my mind. I can definitely, I can definitely produce it. Um, and uh I couldn't and then watching someone who is able to produce the stuff is like it's i don't know it's it's almost like watching some sort of like savant um no matter how good
1: they are but i think it's kind of despised these days i think it's really not something that's respected Mm. so much right now um and it's it's hard to really put your finger on exactly why that is yeah But uh,
0: I mean, do you think do you think do you think artists in general or just like particularly comics artists?
1: No, I think artists in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think they're only respected if they make money. It's the same as everything else right now. If you make money, then you must be doing something right. And if you're not, then you are a crazy moron. Right. Sure. You know, I think uh, a lot of artists under that, you know, reasoning are crazy morons. Um. And you know, just as we were talking about, you know, there's no, there's not much real critical uh, appreciation or estimation done of, you know, comics art, or uh, particularly, mm-hmm. or art in general. Frankly, it's uh, it's the real emperor's new clothes world out there where people just make assertions about the quality of art and they're accepted.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So, yeah. So I, I feel like we're in a period where art, you know, is and and comedy really are are just seen as disposable and pointless.
0: Hmm. I mean, what's the? I mean, and I I will, I will keep you too much longer. I'll ask this as my last question, and then uh, leave you leave you some time to talk about your work. Uh, what I mean, what's the way out? Like, is there? Can you can you think of a way out? Is there is there any sort of like like hope at the end of the tunnel here or? Uh, because you mentioned a lot of times you say like this is, you know, in this period of time or like in this moment of time.
1: Yeah.
0: It seems like there might be hope at the end of the tunnel, but I, I don't necessarily know what it is.
1: Well, no, I don't either. I, I don't have any big ideas or, or big insights. I just know that things do move and, and change and develop. And especially when the system is as broken as everything is right now, mm. you know, Um have to change. Right. I mean, one it, of it going on in publishing, for instance, and I think this is going on in all areas of publishing, is publishing used to have its own rules. It was different from every other industry. It was publishing. Now, it's just a subsidiary of the entertainment industry. And any product it, out of it is subject to the same rules as the, anything else in the entertainment industry. And I think most people in publishing are struggling with mm. that. They have not adapted to that yet. And the ones that understand that don't understand what's special about publishing.
0: Interesting. I mean, do you think publishing will find its feet again? Or is it is it just like a, a, uh, a victim of the internet age?
1: I, I think it will continue to shrink and contract. Oh. Um, but there, for the foreseeable future, I think there's a place for it. I just hope the people in charge of actually selling books get better at it. <laughs> uh,
0: That's a a thing devoutly to be wished for sure. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, so obviously everyone should go by um, all the answers. Uh, What else? I mean, what else have you been working on recently? Any strips you should be reading anything, anything uh, that you would love people to go check out? Um, What's, what Uh, have you been excited about? It
1: was mostly, it was mostly the book, Uh, all the answers, uh, which is available everywhere. I did uh, strips all through last year uh, for vice, and uh, adultswim.com, you can find those still online. I'm mm-hmm. uh, going to be doing this animation for adultswim.com uh, soon, which is it's exciting. Uh, should be developed. It's exciting. I just did a three-page uh, strip for heavy metal, uh, oh, wow, ed- cool. edited by Grant Morris. Very that's very
0: cool. That's yeah. like that's like a that's a very very much a uh, you know like 13-year-old me would think that is the coolest possible huh. thing to do.
1: Well, I'd actually been in it 20. Five years ago, think, oh wow, when it was just transitioning from the Simmonses to uh, Kevin Eastman, okay. who edited the next twenty whatever years, right. and uh, but that yeah, it was a very different scene then. I really tried. I I hope it's good. You know, I get really worried. I feel very confident when I'm doing a piece, and when I'm done, I feel very worried that it's not good enough because I keep seeing how I could have pushed this or that.
0: Oh, much. I mean that's a that's an but, absolute uh, artist mentality. I would
1: say. <laughs> But I really tried to do some, I uh, uh, like classic heavy metal strip, awesome. which, you know, I, I read heavy metal in the late seventies, early eighties. It is some of the best, you know, they had just some amazing comics. Who's
0: your, me. who's your heavy, who's like your illustrator from heavy metal that you like? Like, are you, are you a Frazetta guy? Are you like, who, who, who do you most, uh, appreciate
1: well, I got a book recently of uh, Nicole Clavalu, who is one of the artists in the late 70s, and early 80s, whose work was just really gorgeous. Awesome. Really, uh, really unique stuff. I also liked Moebius, of course. Oh, well, yeah, and, sure. That, uh, that would be
0: my pick. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge.
1: fan uh, of And uh, yeah, and there were some other, you know, some of people who just appeared briefly and then vanished. I, I love the old undergrounds, and uh, there's a Dutch. Uh, there was a Dutch comic book uh, underground called uh, Tant Lenny Presentiert, which Tante uh, Lenny presents. Which they did one issue, I think, of an English translation here called Dutch Treat from Kitchen Sink. And if you can find a copy, that's some of the funniest, filthiest underground comics.
0: Ever. Dutch Treat, okay. That sounds great.
1: It has uh, it has Everett Strat and uh, what's his name? And Juice Swartz Ooh, in it nice. and uh, a few other people I've not heard
0: of. Well excellent. Well that's that's a that's a plug in and of itself. I I'm 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 for it. Um Well, great. So so go by um all the answers. Uh, I'm 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 getting that I'm getting this right, right? Like I'm getting the title right. You can tell me if I'm not. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Sure, um sure. I, I was saying to, to sure. Michael before we started that I am uh notoriously bad as as you may know if you've listened to the show before. Um, I am notoriously bad at names and titles. Um, So (laughs) real people's names. I'm okay at character names and book titles are just uh, kind of a nightmare for me. Um, Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to, that you want to talk, talk about? No, I can't think of it. Cool. Well, uh, please come back, especially, I mean, especially if you have more to say about like uh, any particular comics, we're, we're covering a bunch of them. Um, And I, I will be, I have, uh, in, in, in picking the chapters, I was sure I was insistent on picking a, uh, a chapter on, um, the Hernandez brothers, love and rockets, which I would imagine you have something to say, something about to say, given your, your relationship with, uh, with zines and infinite comics and stuff like that. Oh, no, it's,
1: it's great work. Yeah, I yeah,
0: know. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, all right, cool. Well, um, thanks again, man. This has been really fun.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. You too.